You're listening to The Wildest Night in Vancouver, a podcast reliving the history, trauma, and legacy of the 1907 anti-Asian Vancouver riots. Produced by the students of History 271 at the University of British Columbia. Talking about all these events and how they happened, what the aftermath was, and what the reactions were, really helps us understand how that memory is conceived today. And so to get a better understanding of what that memory of those events were, I have Denise here with me. And so I asked Denise for some insight into how her parents' generation is viewing these events and how they understand it. So what is their perspective as new generation immigrants into Canada and something that did not necessarily directly happen to them, but nevertheless is part of their community and is something that is not talked about outside of academic circles. So Denise, did your parents know about the 1907 events? No, my parents immigrated in the late 1990s, so they had no idea that this had happened. How did they respond when you explained what the events were to them? When I asked my dad if he knew about the incident, he replied that he did not know. For my mother, she had she was born in China, but she moved to Canada not long after she was born. So she was raised in a Canadian environment and learned to speak English fluently, had a proper education and a proper job. My father, on the other hand, he did not have an education. He dropped out of school after what we considered our grade eight and immigrated to Canada when he was 30 years old and built his entire foundation from scratch here. So for someone who knew what it felt to come with nothing and have it all torn down right in front of you on that night, he felt very angry about it and very upset. And as his daughter, I felt my father's pain. So after that night in Vancouver, many people came back to claim their loss and to rebuild what was taken down. However, after 1914, when the Japanese were interned, and after the war, nobody came back to reclaim their land. Japantown and Chinatown had both come to be very sketchy, in to per se, and both the Japanese and Chinese have migrated far from where they used to be. The Chinese moved towards Richmond, where most of us live now, and Japanese moved towards downtown, where it was known to be Little Ginza in the late 1900s. To quote from the website, as one of the first economic developments of the Japanese concentrated business outside of the former Japantown, it reflects Vancouver and Canada's relationship with Japan and how our economic and cultural makeup can be affected by what happened in Japan. Little Ginza thrived in the 1980s and 1990s when Japanese tourism was at its height and Japan was experiencing an economic boom and began to fade in the beginning of the 2000s. No Japanese businesses remain in that area. So due to all these shifts from societal and location-wise, it also affected the daily interactions as well as what the purpose of buildings were for. So back then, you might have felt like if you went to the grocery, you might have a nice long talk with the lady who managed the veggie stall. Or if you went to go get fish, you might talk and keep up with your daily lives with the fishmonger. But 
Nowadays, because of all these interactions, the function of these buildings have changed the way the relationships are built. So nowadays, if you go to the fishmonger, you might like, can I have that tilapia over there? That's the most you would probably say to them. Yes, it changed everything and the way we interact and maybe the way the future interactions might go. Now, I've come to ask Dr. Robert McDonald here at UBC in the Department of History. So continuing off, what Denise had explained with how urbanization affected the relationships between peoples and the personal connections within those communities, especially with a more globalized city now. Are we seeing a case of urban landscapes shaping the historical consciousness? Well, the urban landscape certainly shapes uh, cultural identity and social identity. To what extent it shapes consciousness, I don't know. I mean, if we're talking about landscape, do we mean physical landscape? Is that what you have in mind? Yes. Um, you know, I think physical landscape in turn reflects more uh, uh, other socioeconomic characteristics. I mean, the extent that 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 uh, as I we were, you know, if I, my activity in a historical society and in even the Chinese Canadian historical society reflects uh, class basis. It reflects the geography of the city to some extent where people live, but that in turn is a product of all these other forces that have been ongoing. You know, with the social separation, the social development of the city. I mean. Uh, my sense of Vancouver is just so shaped by the fact that when I came as a graduate student 50 years ago uh, and how the campus has changed, but the city has changed, you see the geographic change in the city, for example, and, uh, um, uh, you know, where, does that affect consciousness? I, I mean, I, I, don't, I, I tend to think that the, the, the physical landscape is a product of these other forces rather than the determining force, but uh, um, uh, I'm, I'm not sure. And uh, certainly the, 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 the cultural landscape is, is, is very much etched, as we know, uh, in, as, as a physical expression it has in terms of the geographic areas of the city, um, and uh, they, they in turn shape the kind of institutions that, that, are, that are there. So um, it's an interesting question. I mean, what role geography, what role place plays in, in shaping memory? Um, uh, I think to some extent it, it does, uh, but I, I, it's so closely related to class and, and just the kind of organic development of the city, how the city is, is, is developing. Um, but beyond that, I'm not sure. How have changes in industries in British Columbia changed urban development? Um, well, uh, the most obvious ones in Vancouver have to do with, of course, the fact that Vancouver was uh, the metropolitan center of, of uh, a resource-based regional economy, uh, evidence in Gastown, Falls Creek at one time, I just watched, saw a painting. Somebody did a painting this morning from the nineteen, the guy, the historical society from the nineteen forties, uh, and I remember that in fifty six, False Creek was full of uh, log booms, you know, and all around what you know, we down to Granville Island kind of thing. So the the industrial presence um, uh, was very strong in Vancouver, uh, um, and of course along the Fraser and so forth. 
you know, what's changed since then, and the big theme in in British Columbia history in that sense, Vancouver history in particular, is that that Vancouver has de-industrialized and become somewhat detached from this resource-based hinterlands, not entirely, but much more. So we see uh, the consumer uh, culture more predominant now. False Creek is such an interesting metaphor for the city and how it's changed because what was an industrial space through into the 50s through the 90s is really a kind of a postmodern space that's leisure bases over that's happening in lots of spaces so one of the big changes is the is the the shift of the economy towards towards the consumption economy the consumer economy the service economy uh, and that's of course affected uh, uh, space substantially and then of course just the population growth and suburbanization with technology and getting around and so forth not unique to Vancouver and we were talking earlier about Richmond and Surrey and the spread through the city and Richmond is just the classic example of the modern consumer uh, suburb Uh, 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 and that in turn affects who comes and lives there and the kinds of ways in which they see the city so uh, uh, deindustrialization and the move, the transition from an product economy based on production to one based on con- consumption uh, has been hugely important here. Not unique to Vancouver, but it has particular resonance, particular sh- uh, way, shape, particular uh, uh, in particular the aspects of Vancouver history. So uh, yeah, no, very important. Do you think that's the interactions based on this change of deindustrialization and going into a more consumer-based economy has pretty much changed the relationships that people have within the cities or uh, within the the outer areas of the cities. Uh, well, I think so. Yes, uh, the relationships within the city. I think one of the things that's happened with time is that the city has geographically s- r- sorted itself on class in class terms so that the re- the west side was kind of the privileged city in Vancouver proper uh, it was higher status to begin with and that's been reinforced with this this transition uh, so that uh, uh, I would say that that the the the, the suburbs around are, are particularly interesting we were talking about Richmond and Richmond is just a classic example of how this modern economy is shaped and it's so tied in in turn with the expansion of the population through immigration and particularly with Asian immigration uh, that Asian immigration is moving into a city which is just a classic postmodern city which is consumer based and service based and those those kinds of things uh, and 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 uh, 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 so, in some ways, it's fairly obvious the sorting. There's always been an east-west division in the in the city of Vancouver. Uh, what the division, the dividing line between the, the the working class areas and the middle class areas has has also shaped. I have a number of friends who live on what used to be called the east Van, eastern part of the city, East Vancouver. It wasn't the respectable west side of the city. Now, of course, that's greatly changed since over. Uh, uh, over the years, so uh, you know the 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 shift from producer to consumer society certainly has had a physical change the physical landscape, which in turn reflects how people think about the city. I guess. Yeah. Thank you very much, Dr. Robert McDonald.
Understanding this process of urbanization across Vancouver helps us understand what the memory of Vancouver really is and how that fits into greater Canadian history, especially with the different cultures that are in across Canada. As we've seen the changes in this urban landscape changes how we interact with people and this interaction is very vital to how we remember things or what the collective memory really is. If there is no interaction between communities that have experienced these events, changes within the city's structure also changes how we understand these memories and how they're transmitted back to us. So it is important to remember the events of 1907 and the subsequent interments that happened. Because once again, it helps us understand our past, who we are, what the greater history of Vancouver is, and how we all play a part in it. It's less about history repeating itself as much as about making sure that this history does not disappear. What is left to me is just a memory. The Wildest Night in Vancouver is produced by students in History 271 at the University of British Columbia, under the direction of Tristan Gruno. This series was sponsored by the UBC Department of History and supported by the Public History Initiative. Special thanks to the UBC Faculty of Arts, ISIT, and 101.9 CITR Campus Radio. Thank you for listening.